MailChimp presents. As a marketer, you're speaking to a vast audience. Some people need to be converted into customers, some need to be reunited with their carts, and others have just made a purchase. But when you fail to segment your audience and personalize your messaging, you can get what's called a customer. One big cluster of customers who may seem alike, but actually all have different behaviors. So how do you turn those customers back into customers? With Intuit MailChimp, you can use personalization tools that segment customers into groups, break them up into like-minded target audiences, and send them personalized marketing. Intuit MailChimp, the number one email marketing and automations brand. Based on competitor brands' publicly available data on worldwide numbers of customers in 2021 and 2022. Availability of features and functionality vary by plan, which are subject to change. This is Listening, a podcast where we ask musicians to keep a sonic diary, transforming the sounds around them into a musical portrait of a particular moment and place. In each episode, we'll try on the ears of a different musician to find out how they listen. Uh, I guess I've, I've always listened differently from other songwriters. I write music while listening to music. And what their world sounds like. I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm a musician, radio host, and DJ. And as curator for listening, I have the great privilege of bringing you insights from some of the most exciting minds in music, like Jeff Tweedy, Jalen, Laraji, and today's guest, Stephen Merritt of the Magnetic Fields. Listening to I Will Survive for the 10,000th time, it soothes my brain and eliminates the bumblebee tuna jingle. Uh, or at least drowns out the bumblebee tuna jingle. Whereas if I'm, say, listening to Indeterminacy, I may well still be hearing the bumblebee tuna jingle (laughs) and therefore uh, unable to have the writing mode in my brain click in. Witty, guarded, cynical, loving, heartsick, and tender. This is Stephen Merritt or at least what we hear in the songs he pens for his acclaimed band, The Magnetic Fields. The group's 1999 opus, 69 Love Songs, catapulted them to stardom and showcased Stephen's knack for the literary and the conceptual. Their latest record, Quickies, carries this legacy forward. The album is composed of 28 short songs. With his various groups and as a solo artist who's written for stage and screen, Stephen's aesthetic mixes show tune catchiness with unexpected instrumentation. In this episode, we'll hear from the famously acerbic Stephen about his very unique approach to songwriting, the concert that ruined his hearing, the brutal and mystifying effects of his long COVID symptoms, and how his two sweet pups, Edgar and Agatha Merritt, helped get him through the darkest days of the pandemic in New York. Then we'll get the chance to hear his composition, which he titled, a walk in the park alone in the dark, and meet up afterward to discuss it.
Stephen Merritt, thank you for speaking with me today. Thank you for having me. Stephen, as a songwriter, you listen all the time. Do you feel that at this point, decades into your career, you listen differently from other people? Uh, I guess I've, I've always listened differently from other songwriters. I write music while listening to music. I sit around in bars with loud, thumping disco music playing, and that drowns out the tuna fish jingles that populate my background consciousness. Uh, for example, for much of my life, I have heard in my head, yum, yum, bumblebee, bumblebee, tuna, I love bumblebee, bumblebee, tuna, yum, yum, bumblebee, bumblebee, tuna, I love bumblebee, bumblebee, tuna, etc. <laughs> On Endless Loop. <laughs> Listening to I Will Survive for the 10,000th time soothes my brain and eliminates the bumblebee tuna jingle, uh, or at least drowns out the bumblebee tuna jingle. And if I am not hearing music, often music that I don't like, I'm probably ill because it goes away a lot of the time when I'm, when I'm not feeling well. I don't know why that is. So you can either use thumping disco music at a bar or scarlet fever. That would probably work, though it might impede my songwriting abilities, which... Uh, are so minimal at this point, thank you, COVID, that uh, I'm not sure they still exist. I wasn't all that great with memory to begin with beforehand, but now it's kind of um, shocking. How does it manifest now, the brain fog? Um, hard to express that uh, other than uh, severe memory lapses. Mm. I sit around in bars uh, with some big disco music and the notebook open in front of me and eavesdropping on other people's conversations and nothing happens. But I'm sure this is just a temporary... Well, I'm not sure. I hope that this is just a temporary phase. Man, I hope so too, Stephen. And knowing that about your process, I wonder what role does listening play in your music? The songwriting part of the music is uh, an outgrowth of the listening that I'm doing to the thumping disco music. And the lyrics occasionally have to do with the eavesdropping that I'm doing uh, in the bar. Have you often taken stories and incorporated them into your songs directly from the eavesdropping sessions? Uh, yes. Not a lot, but uh, yeah, I have a song... Javier Says, which is an amalgam of a few conversations I heard at the Rawhide, a especially CD gay bar in Chelsea that is long gone, where uh, people had sort of nasty nicknames for each other, <laughs> uh, but used uh, affectionate language in between them in very old school gay lingo, calling each other Blanche and such, that nobody really does anymore. What was your nickname there, Stephen? I was not involved in the conversation. Uh, just the eavesdropper. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. 
the bride can't write the song. <laughs> I wonder if you could go back in time and tell your 10-year-old self one thing about listening, what would it be? Get earplugs. Wear them to Densiteria. When listening to Einsturzende Neubauten, <laughs> doing a concert based on the concept of a construction site, wear earplugs, don't stand in the front row, and uh, when there are sparks flying, run rather than <laughs> simply covering your face because you need to protect your ears. Oh, man. So I have significant hearing loss, probably from the age of 18, uh, from not uh, protecting my ears. And then I worked in a punk rock nightclub as a cashier right in front of a concrete wall. So I was getting all of the sound twice <laughs> Oof. and never wore earplugs. You've shared in interviews that you live with the auditory condition hyperacusis. How does that affect your hearing and what do you do to get around it? Hyperacusis is a condition of unknown origin. I don't know if it necessarily runs in families or if it's circumstantial, but I have much more in my left ear than my right ear pain when I hear shrill sounds. The louder, the more painful. I've seen you at shows cover your ear during applause. Yes. Applause is not the worst of the kinds of sound that I'm sensitive to. Uh, like I always say, it's uh, straight girls in bars trying to impress boys, uh, <laughs> laugh at a particular frequency that uh, just kills my left ear. I went to Elton John's ear doctor and she told me to wear earplugs on the subway. That is what I've learned. I don't go to rock concerts because of my hyperacusis. And when we're out doing tours, especially festivals, I have to basically avoid exposure to the other music. Uh, but yeah, circumstances often thrust me into the middle of the audience of Sonic Youth at Primavera, when I literally have to cross the audience of Sonic Youth, basically <laughs> almost on stage, just to get to my own show. <laughs> Very irritating. So would we see you holding your ears, you know, uh, index fingers? Absolutely. Yeah. Jammed in. Um, yeah. Yeah. With teddy bears tied to my head. <laughs> Tell me, what are some sounds that you adore? I have a modular synthesizer component called a benjolin, which is essentially a set of low-frequency oscillators that modulate each other. And on almost any setting, it basically sounds like birdsong of uh, some fictional bird species, ah. or sometimes real bird species. And I like to leave the benjolin on, when I'm not using it and uh, just have it around the house because it's beautiful. Living in Manhattan, this is how you get birdsong. Uh-huh. I also live near Washington Square, so I can actually hear real birdsong whenever I want to, but uh, I, I prefer the fictional version. 
Speaking of Washington Square Park, Stephen, let's play your composition, A Walk in the Park, Alone in the Dark.
Stephen, our listeners have just heard your wonderful composition, A Walk in the Park, Alone in the Dark. Now, you specifically didn't want to hear it before we listened together. Tell me about that. It'll be more interesting if the surprise is real. More authentic. When did you create this piece? (laughs) You tell me. Uh, last spring or something? Last summer? I'm not sure. The degree to which I don't remember this process is uh, probably more than you appreciate. Um, I do remember that it happened, but I don't remember when it happened or uh, almost anything about doing it. Could you share the concept for this piece? I live near Washington Square. I like city symphonies. So I figured I'd do a a tone poem exploring the city. Your most recent Magnetic Fields album, Quickies, was released in May of 2020. And on that record, you focused on very short songs. Similarly, for this piece, you broke the composition concept into suites. You named movement one, The Arch. The Arch meaning Washington Square Park. It's the entryway, Washington Square Arch. The, uh, the, the first sound you hear is me whirling a yellow corrugated plastic hose uh, above my head. <laughs> Desafinado, as we say, gently out of tune. I had just had the piano moved to my apartment, so it's probably a little out of tune from being moved. It's an upright. I've never lived in a space large enough to have a grand or baby grand. If I did, I would have a harpsichord instead. howling I don't know Oregano. Oregano is famously what you are buying in Washington Square if you think you're buying marijuana. The beginning sounded like matches striking and lighting gas on a stove, maybe? Either. Uh, That I didn't record myself. My friend Dave recorded it in his bathroom. It's a hissing water pipe Ah. that uh, happens to make a very beautiful sound. So I asked him to record it for me. 
Whenever you hear musical instruments that are obviously not me, they're backwards to make sure that there's no copyright issues. This is something you would have sampled in the park? Yes. Uh, here we have the Benjolin. Movement three is titled Bicycles. Yes, the Benjolin sounds like bicycle wheels. The droplets are also Benjolin. People bicycling in the park illegally is uh, a major feature of the park. The collisions between bicyclists and skateboarders are not rare at all. <laughs> uh, for some reason, my dogs are terrified of skateboarders, but not of bicyclists. Movement four is titled Construction. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> for uh, much of the last two years, I've had construction sites on both of the corners near my window uh, at the same time. <laughs> this is a bit ominous. For me, construction sites are uh, always harking back to Unstrutz und Neubauten at Densiteria in 1983. So, uh, tell me about that. <laughs> it's a good way to lose your hearing. When Densiteria turned off the audio because Unstrutz und Neubauten were drilling into the stage, <laughs> the sound level went down hardly at all because. Really, they don't need to be amplified. They're a construction site. <laughs> Movement five, bird bath. Oh, yes, featuring real birds. I think those are vitamins or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dirty secret of music is that when you hear maracas on records, they're usually not maracas, they're usually vitamins because uh, all those different pills make different sounds. So you can buy 50 sets of maracas or you can go into the bathroom and shake things and uh, see what sounds good. Six is titled Squirrels in Paradise. <laughs> it is? I don't remember this at all. <laughs> it 
It feels like we enter a sort of sonic dreamscape here. Uh-huh. green sleeves, sort of medieval, yet late 70s, with real construction site. Um, I genuinely don't know where this is going, because I really don't, it, this doesn't even sound familiar. Oh boy. <laughs> I do like the call and response construction site sounds. It. Oh, I get it. At the end of every phrase, there's a, 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 a jackhammer. That's my dog, Edgar, rattling his collar. The origin of the piece is basically me walking my dogs, which is the only thing that I could do for months on end during COVID. Uh, during the lockdown, there was an exception made for people walking their dogs. So it was literally illegal for me to be outside of my house if I was not walking my dogs. So I walked my dogs for hours a day. not like it normally is, which is full of people. I mean, the, the word alone is real. I was often alone in the park. I have returned to my apartment where the guitar is. It ends in a slightly unresolved way where I'm left wondering what happens next in this story. Stephen, thank you so much for this gorgeous piece. Uh, I enjoyed hearing it as though for the first time. I'm Elia Einhorn, and this is Listening. To stroll with Stephen and his dogs again, head over to the companion to this episode, A Walk in the Park, Alone in the Dark. On the next episode, Vagabond. There are very few moments where I'm easy listening. I'm always intentionally listening. 
and sometimes that intention is to not listen at all. Listening is an original series from MailChimp, made in partnership with TalkHouse and 3DB. Thanks for tuning in. MailChimp presents... <laughs> 